0: Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. I'm going to preach off and on through First John. I've been serving the Lord for over 50 years. I could say I've been preaching 50 years. Not a lot when I started And as I've studied the Scripture, and more and more recently, I began to realize, maybe because of COVID, that there are a lot of people who think they're Christians. And I'm not here to have you doubt your salvation. I'm here to make sure that you are secure in your salvation. But there's a lot of people who are not Who think they're Christians? They're not. I can. I'll show you this as we go through it. I don't know where to really start because I really want to chase this rabbit. But there are ten virgins in a parable. They're all waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. A picture of waiting for Jesus. And sad to say, there's only five who are really ready, and five who aren't. There is the story that Jesus was. Have people stand before him and say, did not I cast out devils in your name? Did I not do these things in your name? And Jesus will say, sorry, I never knew you. There will be people who say, well, Lord, I followed you. And he said, well, I needed a drink of water. And you didn't give me a drink of water. I needed you to visit me. I needed you to speak to me. And they'll say to him, Lord, I didn't know you needed a drink of water. I didn't know you were in prison. I didn't know you had this need. And so there are those who just assume. And I think some of it's bad theology and poor preaching. We'll go on. I'll, I'll show you again and again how this is filled with a scripture. I showed you when I preached on First John back in March on the man who saw salvation. There are seven churches in the book of Revelation and five of them had sinned. Jesus even said to one, I wish you were hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I want to shine light on an authentic Christian. And as we go through this, you'll see the what John is talking about because he is talking to Christians. People who are in church. He's at least talking to church members and people who he believes are members. And so I want us to listen to what he has to say. Because I know that we live in the last days. I know that. We're not far from it. You know, I preached on Revelation 12-13 through 13 not long ago. You know, it talks about an image of a beast. That the image of the beast is alive. And who could imagine that 20 centuries after John wrote that, that we'd be talking about artificial intelligence. And just a couple of weeks ago, there's a company whose CEO now is a robot. Artificial intelligence, because he will not have any prejudice he will have the prisoners that have been put in it. But, but a machine is going to be the CEO of a, of a business. We live in perilous times. And surely you want to know that you're walking in the light and not in darkness. And John is writing to a bunch of people. Who have had false prophets and you need to realize this. We live in a time when there are many voices and you need to be able to be, be able to discern the voices. That's why one of the nine gifts is discerning of spirits. It's not discerning what you're thinking or feeling about me. It's discerning <coughs> the ability to discern whether it's satanic or the Holy Spirit or perhaps even the flesh. Okay. And John gives you and me in this passage of scripture, three tests that you must give yourself. I'm not going to give it to you. You must give yourself to see if you are a Christian, really a Christian. Before I remind you of those three tests, let me state emphatically that John would be shocked. Would have been shocked at what passes for salvation in some circles of American evangelism today. Here's what you've been told. If you receive Christ as your Savior by your bed with your mother or in an evangelistic crusade or at a VBS Sunday school or at youth camp, if you ever profess Christ in the past, you have eternal life. Even if you never honor him as the Lord of your life, even if your life never changes, even if you continue to live entirely as unbelievers do, even if you have no fruit, even if you have no works, even if you are continue to take drugs, continue to gamble, continue to drink, continue to commit adultery, continue to commit fornication, continue to lie, continue to gossip, continue to practice sin. And I talked about that last week, you remember. I said that it's, and I was talking to Fred today, and we was talking about good illustration. I, I told him I used this. Because he's preaching on the lust of the flesh, it'll be interesting. He uses this today as we're talking. Remember what I said: it's not that you sin, but you have a heart that you want to quit sinning. You're willing to give it up. It's like I said this, and this is what I told me. And he said this was good. I said it's like some of you're fortunate; you're not, you'd never have to diet, okay, never. But I use the illustration that people who go on diets wait till Monday. That's just, you know, that's a good day to start. But you think on the Wednesday, I need to go on diet. You think, well, I'll go on Monday. But with sin, you can't say, I'll give that up on Monday. You got to give it up today. You got to be willing to do it. And what I told Fred was in the illustration I said was, if the Lord showed up and said, I'll take away your sin today. If you're a Christian, you'd say, thank God, Lord, take it away once and for all. But if you're not, you say, well, Lord, I wait. Can you wait till Monday? Let me enjoy it four more days. Let me enjoy it three more days. Let me enjoy it one more night. <clears throat> this is serious, important. But you and I realize that. I'm going to bring a slide up here and I want you to understand something. If you're listening on the radio, you need to know this. I'm a I'm Southern Baptist educated, okay. So I'm I know Calvin. I like Calvin, okay. Have no problem with John Calvin, really. And uh, but I want you to see this verse because this is a verse we learned in the beginning of seminary. Because my seminary, you, to graduate from seminary, you had to witness the two people a week, and you had to write it down that you witnessed the two people a week. Now, if you didn't get that week, you had, by the time the quarter up, you had to have 16. But uh, uh let's go to the next slide if we could. I hope it's there. This is a, this is what we learn. We should all know this. It's true. I'm not arguing with this verse at all. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You know what grace means? God's riches at Christ's expense. God saves you through his grace. You have been saved through faith. You believe that, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the dead. And this is not your own doing. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Nothing. And it is a gift of God. My salvation is God's gift to me. Not a result of works. Not anything I can do. Not one thing I can do to save myself. I, I realize that. Not one thing. So that no one may boast. So we don't have service on Sunday and the five or six of us get up and say, look what I've done this week to keep myself saved. Look at me. I'm saved because I've done this. But now listen, here's where everybody gets lost. I'm sure, I'm sorry that yellow doesn't show up, but we'll get it. For we are his workmanship. God works in us. We are His work. We are a new creation. Who's the creator? God's the creator. We're a new creation in Christ. God recreates us when we're born again. Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Good works flow out of our lives because we are saved. With God prepared beforehand. And we'll look at that when we should, but you go. First Corinthians 12, 4, 5, and 6, I believe. The Holy Spirit gave gifts. Jesus gave gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church through the believers. Uh, Jesus Christ gave the five-fold ministry to the church to, for the edifying of the church, equipping the ministries, edifying. And God gave gifts in Romans 12. And those are the gifts, but for Him, before, which were before, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we're going to talk about walking in light. But let me tell you something. Christians have characteristics. Christians have traits. Christians have marks. Christians have fruit. Christians have works, Which say to you and to the church and to the world. That you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about us. That distinguishes us from everybody else in the world. Those are the children of God are led by the spirit of God. And there are things which we should have in our lives which say we are Christians. And some of you, you'll just need to think about that. So let's, uh, now you may not be the best kind of Christian to be sure. That's what people are saying but you're still a Christian and you'll still go to heaven. And that's what people are being taught. We tell people, if you make a confession, that Jesus, you're savior, Even if you never follow him, never read his word, live like the world, you're saved. People are being told that and been taught that and they'll fight for that. However, John, the apostle writer, of five books in the Bible, the gospel of John, first, second, third, John, the book of revelation tells you and me in this epistle, this is not true. He would say that person is not saved. He does not possess eternal life. Does not have eternal life. Has never known God. Has never known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If he's walking in darkness, living like the world, there's something wrong with him. And let's see what First John 5 through 7 And next week. I'll explain this better. This is all introduction. Let's read it. This is the message we have heard from him, John says. And declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. There is some living out that happens in our lives when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you should be walking away from the darkness and walking into the light. John is saying to you and me, real Christians live godly, obedient, and faithful lives. They reflect the character of their Heavenly Father and their Savior. John is saying the way you follow Jesus matters. The way you treat others matters. The way you live matters. Your doctrine matters, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. Your works matter. All the, all these things matter a great deal in our lives because they are an important mark that you and I are walking in the light. Now get this, light begets light. God is light. And if he gives birth to you, he's going to put light in you and you're going to walk in the light. In 1885, an English scholar by the name of Robert Law published a study of first John that he entitled the test of life. This comes from a book that I'm telling you, John Stout wrote. And John Stout is as Calvinistic as you can get, okay? He didn't but he he quotes this. In that book, Law argued that in the first epistle, John presents us with what he calls the three cardinal tests by which a man or woman may judge whether he or she possesses eternal life. It's very interesting and exceedingly important that what what those three tests are so that you may know that you are Christian. And others are a Christian and who isn't a Christian. I came across this and I've shared it, but I'm going to share it in its fullest and it'll be clear here. But I read this some time ago of a prominent Christian youth minister ministry. The story of a Christian grandmother who longed for the salvation of a teenage granddaughter. This dear mother, dear woman, tried to talk to her granddaughter about the Lord Jesus, but was rebuffed by her. But then tragically, the teenager was killed in a car accident. Before her death, the girl had been going with a friend to the meetings of this youth ministry, and folks from that ministry had led a memorial service for her in her school gymnasium. The next Christmas, the grandmother happened to meet the local leader of the youth ministry in an ice cream shop, and she asked him if her granddaughter had ever accepted Christ. Was she saved, she asked him? I'm quoting from the man's sermon. He grinned at me. Oh, didn't you know? She gave her heart to God two years ago at one of our weekend retreats. She never really, now listen, she never really established a close walk with the Lord, but she's okay. Don't you worry about Kimberly. The grandmother continues, Christmas bells began to ring out the joy of the season in my heart. I just received the most magnificent gift. Listen, he was a Christian worker telling a grandmother that her granddaughter was in heaven because she had claimed to have become a Christian at a youth ministry. But in two years... Following that event, the girl's life did not change in any noticeable way. She showed no interest in Jesus Christ, that was detectable to a grandmother who loved her and cared about her soul. She never told her Christian grandmother, who knew her well, that she w- was now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In two years, the grandmother was all the t- all that time praying for her granddaughter's salvation because she didn't suppose she was a Christian. Now, I'll be honest: who can say? God alone knows the heart, but there was no evidence, there was no fruit, there were no works, there were no characteristics, there was no joy. There was nothing in this girl's life that said, I'm now a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. When John tells us how to know that we are the children of God, he doesn't say anything about a person having once made a compression profession of faith in Jesus the false teachers did that much. Many people have done that who don't meet any of the three cardinal tests that we're going to share with you in a moment that John will set out by which we might know who he is and who is not a Christian. And we want to shine this morning the light, God's light, on what an authentic Christian should look like. So what are those three tests? There's a doctrinal test. There's a moral test. There's a social test, and I'd get my Bible out if I were you, so you could mark here. Those three tests, Robert Law said, and I think correctly were, the doctrinal test. Do you believe the teaching of the word of God concerning Jesus Christ, the God-man, and his saving word? Can you go to the next slide? We'll have to probably go back and forth here, Lisa, if you would. I hope it's big enough. First John two four shows us the doctrinal test. Well, first John two twenty two. Who is the liar? Notice that. Notice the word liar, liar, liar. See that? Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. We'll come back to this. There's a moral test. 1 John two four, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. You're created by Christ to produce good works. You are meant to keep the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in your own power, but in the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. You are to strive to obey the Lord. Notice, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, light and truth are cinnamons; mean the same, the same thing. So the light's not in him. And then there is the social test. First John four twenty. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And hopefully you're right, marked by those verses, uh, the test that you need to know. And there's a doctrinal test, a moral test, and a social test. And these things aren't just John didn't just haphazardly write these. This isn't just coincidental. These are things that you and I need to know. Love is the principle of salvation. It's great motivation, motive force. No wonder then that it should produce love in those who experience. If you experience the love of God, you should be able to pour out God's love towards others. You've been loved and because you've been loved, you should be able to give out love in return. If you know God, God who is love, you should be able to share God's love. That's the social test. The moral test is this. It's deliverance from sin. Sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. What does lawlessness mean? It means break the law, break the commandments of God. And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to strive to obey all the commands of the lord you will live a different life because you are walking in the grace of god that's the moral test the doctrinal test is that you realize that your salvation has been paid for by jesus christ alone and nobody else not even your works but you know that jesus christ delivered you from sin delivered you from guilt and the power of sin you have a conviction that jesus christ is who he says he was and is, and he did what he did for your salvation, and all his works and all his words lay at the root of your salvation. Salvation is not a thing; it is a person. You and I are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John, "If you follow me, you'll be my disciples, indeed. If you continue to follow me, you'll follow me, be my disciples." It's not just like. Okay, I gave my heart to Jesus. Now I can go on and do what I want. All of us mock those who think, well, I can I can sin and now I can go to Mass. And go make confession. We don't believe in that. There's no license of sin. We realize that Jesus Christ paid for our salvation because He paid for our salvation. I'm born again. I, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow Him. And if I'm going to follow Him, I am going to obey Him. Why? Why? Notice John gives us the reason for writing his letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God, you need to know this, and you need to know why. And you you say, well, how do I know? No, there's these tests. There is a moral test, there's a social test, there's a doctrinal test. And what you believe is important, how you love is important, how you walk with God is important. So, do you think of salvation, as John thought about salvation, is the assurance of your salvation important to you? I can say this, I've never doubted my salvation. I've never doubted my call. Now, sometimes I've I've never wished I wasn't saved. I can tell you that. I'm glad I'm saved. I've never been jealous of the sinners. I don't look at them and say, well, I wish I could do what they did for a weekend. Doesn't appeal to me at all. I'm glad where I'm at this morning. I'm glad I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm saved. Now, on the call, once in a while, I thought, really, Lord, this is the best you could do with me? I uh, Let me tell you, I've told you this. God called me to be a missionary to Ecuador. I had a speech impediment when I was a kid in English. And guess what? As a 43-year-old man studying Spanish, I rediscovered that speech impediment. I'm still a little leery of just starting out in Spanish because I've kind of got my own Spanish accent. You can't say what country I'm from. I thought, Lord... Why you know I was I was having a great time at Marion Arkansas pastoring that church and you brought me out here where I can't talk to anybody yet. Let I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not there's no reason to doubt your salvation if you know the Bible if you know how you're living, and you know your heart. I want to obey the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you're a Christian, you do. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I want to overcome sin. And I detest and hate sin when it shows up in my life. And it will show up. And that's what John will say. But he says, we're an advocate with the Father. And I'm going to show you why Jesus Christ is so important to you and to me. There's no reason to doubt your salvation if you know the Bible and you're obedient. Living according to its word, you and I are to walk in a light. Is the assurance of your salvation important? To you? Do you live as if it's important to you? Surely, I know that every day we got a lot of things going in, on in our mind. We got a lot of things to do. But do you ever stop and think once in a while about your eternal life? Have you ever thought about? Are you pleasing God? Have you ever thought the attitude you are, you haven't, the attitude that you have right now, is it pleasing to God? Is my spirit right? Is my, are my conviction right? And what I'm wanting to do, is it right? Is salvation the most important thing to you? Because it's all that really matters. The supreme interest of your life, the supreme interest that you have for the life of your children is salvation and their salvation. What will it profit a man if he gains the entire world and forfeits a soul? Forfeiting your soul is the opposite of salvation. Yeah. <coughs> I know life is hard. I know it hurts. And I know have known people turn their back on God. But listen, listen to what I have to say here. Life is difficult in many ways. What if you've been, what if you've been disappointed in many hopes? What if your heart's been broken? But if you only have eternal life. If only the day is soon coming when all that is wrong will be put wonderfully and forever right. What is a lifetime of sorrow and sickness and pain if it is to be followed by eternity of pure joy and happiness? Do you know how many how few people there are, at least comparatively, who think this way? Because if you listen to a lot of gospel, it's all about being happy now. And there are many people who suffered and hurting. Who had a pain. What about those people. Who have a thorn in the flesh. Who struggle or hurt. What if you're one of those. What if one of those. Had a thorn in your flesh or trouble or trial. Would you think. This is only for a moment in my life. Because what is ahead. For me. Is worth it all. The old timers had it right. Remember the song. It will be worth it all. When I see Jesus. And when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when things are against you and people are against you, do you bellyache and moan or do you think, Jesus, one day this will all be over. I'll know Jesus Christ. I know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he'll take me to heaven. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.